Blog Talk Radio. We're ready, sister.
Mm-hmm. Right. Well, we'll lift her up in prayer that God will give her deliverance from that call. Amen. Yes, Cole. Yes, sir. Absolutely. I'm pray for Ronnie's family, all y'all, and everybody, everybody that's close to him. And y'all, I guess y'all hadn't heard it as far as what day or anything yet. Okay. Well, we're just holding y'all up in prayer as often as often as we think about it, and we think about you often. Absolutely. Somebody else? Prayer request? Yeah. I was like All right. My attitude, my anger, way too short. Yeah. You know, that's about it. Where would you do that? Well, pray for me. I needed to. Y'all please lift up Bonnie and Grant this morning. I went out and visited with with them yesterday, and uh, and Grant Grant's not doing too well at all, and. You know, go see him. I just say that. Go see. Go see Grant. He he would love to see you. He's not going to be coming back here. He won't be coming back to church. He doesn't. She said he doesn't feel like going anywhere. He just wants to be home. And uh, so, lift him up in prayer. But do go see Grant and spend some time with him. Um, Bonnie, she's doing better. And praise God for that. Um, anybody else? Anything? Yes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Pray for Stephanie this morning. She's not feeling well either. Her immune disorder is ain't getting to her this morning. And pray for Miss Joanne too. Pray for her mouth. She she wasn't near as bad of a fight as it looked like it was. The dentist won, but but anyway. Thank God she got it done. They're probably gonna be all right. Yes. Yes. Right. Lift her up in prayer. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm going to pray everybody else continues to get well. Everybody continues to improve for God to meet all the needs and answer all the requests, the ones we named and the ones that are still in our heart. God knows what they are, and uh, he's capable. So let's lift all these things up to him and ask God to meet every need. And Robert, leave us in prayer. Amen. You may say this. to number 28, number 28. There shall be showers of blessing. And by the way, Haley, we praise God everything's all right with you. We didn't mention that, but we certainly do. Amen. (laughs) 
days of love. There shall be seasons refreshing, then from the Savior above, showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drop round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing, precious reviving again. Over the hills and the valleys, found of abundance of rain, showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead, there shall be showers of blessing. Send them upon us, O Lord. Grant to us now a refreshing, come and now honor thy word. Showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. There shall be showers of blessing, oh that today they might fall. Now as to God we're confessing, now as on Jesus we call, showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need, mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we flee. Amen. Turn over to 32. When the roll is called up yonder, number 32. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the slaves of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. On that bright and cloud this morning, when the dead in Christ shall rise, and the glory of his resurrection share, when his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies. And the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn to setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called 
Amen. Turn to 72. Number 72, my Savior's love for me.
tune in song real quick. Shouldn't take but a second. Jesus. 
world that would make me lay down serving for Jesus and take that up, I can promise you. All right, we're going to turn in our Bible this morning to Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, and I'm going to tell you before we get started, this has been a difficult one, and I'll tell you one reason it's been such a difficult one. Uh, Number one, we've done talked about this so many times that, you know, I feel like I've already run through it, and run back through it, and run through it again. But the second reason is it spans two chapters of the Bible. And I know that scared Robert to death, thinking about me preaching two chapters of the Bible in one service, amen? I always think about you, brother. I always do. <laughs> but, uh, but I'm not going to cover all two chapters because you already know these, these chapters. You already know this story, and what I don't read you can go back and read later if you want to, amen. But we're going we're gonna to read in chapter 6 this morning. We're going to read about Stephen, the first martyr of the church. We're talking about persecution, the third wave of persecution of the Lord's church and what the Holy Ghost of God can do with a man who's sold out to him. And that's what we're going to look at this morning is Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost and uh, and full of faith and power. Let's look at it this morning. Acts chapter 6, but we're going to read, I'm going to read the whole chapter 6 because there's some things we're going to look here here in the first of it. I'm not going to preach a message on it, but we're going to talk about it just for a minute. All right, chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Now, let me just make this plain to you. This is not the Jews living in Jerusalem that we're referring to here. These are the Hellenistic Jews. These are the Jews that were foreigners. They were from other places. And, and those Jews were living amongst, uh, living amongst the, 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 the Gentiles, and they were seeing, they were seeing that, that these, these, uh, the widows in those synagogues Nobody was looking after them. They were, they were, some of them were doing without. They, were, they didn't have any food. Nobody, there was no man in the home to go out and take care of them. So they, they needed somebody to do that. And the Bible says, And then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them. That's about 20,000 people. Think about that. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 20,000. They called the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. We can't stop preaching Jesus everywhere we go and go around making sure groceries are delivered to people's houses. Wherefore, brethren, he says to the 20,000, Look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, 
and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them, and that again, that's them yoking together with them, saying we are, we are praying for you and, and joining ourselves with you, that you and we're, we're counting on you to do this thing. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Now, we're going to revert, and our text is going to come from 8 through 15 this morning. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. And they suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes that came unto him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, Lord, the best that I know how I come before you. And Lord, the best I, I can, I lay myself before your altar. I ask you to forgive my sin, cleanse me, Father. I pray, Father, for the filling of the Holy Ghost. I pray, Father, from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet, fill me, Lord, every every fiber with your power, with your spirit. Father, flood me with the Word of God. Flood my mind, my heart, my soul, my spirit with the precious Word. Make me a vessel filled with the brim and pour me out for your glory that Jesus might be magnified. Lord, that as we look at and this godly man, Lord, we may look at him and, and, and then examine ourselves and see what we lack in our service and our duty and our fellowship and our walk. Lord, God, help us to see what a spirit-filled man looks like, one who's not afraid, one who's completely faithful and sold out. Lord, please use it as an example, Lord, to draw our hearts out of thee, Lord, to pull us away from anything that would hinder our fellowship and our service to you. We pray now. Teach us in the word. And we'll give you the glory. We'll praise, we'll praise you. And Lord, we ask, Lord, somebody out there listening into this, Lord, if they're not saved, we pray today be the day. When they get it settled forevermore, they know for sure that their sins have all been placed on Jesus and they've all been forgiven and washed away and now they can be a child of God. Father, I pray for somebody out there Sinner nearest hell, I pray you save their soul today for Christ's glory and honor. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. <clears throat> All right. We're going to look at Stephen this morning. And Stephen was an amazing man. An absolutely amazing man. And I know as we're reading that about the... Uh, Choosing of seven men. You know, the Bible never says anything about deacons. 
Some people tend to think that's the first deacons. But I don't know that that is the first deacons because it doesn't say a word about deacons there. Now, it may say it if you have a Schofield Bible in the top of it, and mine, now I have a Rice reference, and it has first deacons there, but, but there's nothing in there to say that's deacons. The Bible gives qualifications for deacons over there in First Timothy. Paul does. But again, at this point, there's never been anything said about deacons. They just said, choose you out seven men. So he was, I don't believe he was a deacon. Again, I believe that came later, but he was put in charge of serving tables. This was his job. He was, he was a servant. Uh, he wasn't an apostle, but yet even though he wasn't an apostle, God used him to do signs and wonders. The miraculous power that God gave to the apostles, he extended to also to Stephen and also to another man he called that they called out by the name of Philip. Stephen wasn't a prophet, but he was a great preacher. He wasn't a deacon, but he was a servant. He wasn't an apostle, but he was a miracle worker. He wasn't a prophet, like I said, he was a great preacher. He was a very unique man. I say he was a very unique man because Stephen stands in between the apostles and the structure of the New Testament church. He is in a transitional role. Um, he's also a very overlooked individual when it comes to church history, but Stephen is a very, very crucial figure and a very important person. But from what we can tell by reading in the Word of God, he had a very short career because the church was very, very, very young, and Stephen had just been recently called uh, called out by the by the church uh, to uh, by the disciples there to to fill that role of service in the church, and and God began using him greatly. But it was a very short career; it could have been weeks or months that his ministry lasted. But he was just somebody, everybody thought that he was just a servant. But, oh, God used him, he did. He did great miracles. He was a miracle worker, and he was a, he was a preacher. But he was also the first Christian martyr. He was the first one beside Christ, beyond Christ, to die for his faith. So we need to know Stephen. We need to get to know him this morning. I want us to look at him and find out what we can find out about Stephen. He was a great man. By every divine measure whereby we measure greatness, he, he, was, he was great. He's full of everything that every believer should be full of. He is a prime example of what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. He said also he's a transitional personality. All the preaching and teaching that we've been talking about where Peter and uh, Peter and John going up into the temple into Solomon's porch to preach uh, preach Jesus to all all those Jews there. All of that is just about to come to a close because the Jews are about to try to eradicate it from Jerusalem. They're going to reject Christ once and for all, and God is going to turn away from the Jews. And that period is still going on right now. And the witness to the Gentile world is about to begin. And it began with Paul, and it's about to be opened here. But between Peter and Paul, Stephen is like a bridge between the two men. 
He's chosen by Peter and of the apostles, yet he's martyred at the hands of Saul or Paul. He's, like I said, he's a, he's a bridge. He's a transitional man. He didn't, he, Stephen's not one. He didn't minister to the Jews there at Jerusalem. He didn't minister to the Israeli Jews because he himself is not an Israeli Jew. He himself is a Hellenistic Jew. Or he's, he's from the outlying areas. He's from the foreign place. And, and, but, you know, he, 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 he didn't minister to the Israeli Jews, and he didn't, he didn't minister to the foreign Gentiles. He ministered to the foreign Hellenistic Jews. He ministered to those kind of in, in the middle. And he's a catalyst for the scattering of the Lord's church because it was his martyrdom and the persecution that started after his martyrdom that, got, that caused the believers to scatter throughout the world. You know, in, in the 21st century, the emphasis now is, is on gathering the church but in the first century, the emphasis was on scattering the church into all the world. <clears throat> you know, that was what God's purpose was in Stephen being martyred. I'm sure some people said it was a tragedy that this man was martyred. But, you know, Jesus had said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to be a witness to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So what was going to send them beyond Jerusalem? What was going to send them to Judea? They were comfortable there in Jerusalem, just ministering there in the temple. What was going to send them out to Samaria? What was going to send them out to the rest of the world? It wasn't just somebody saying, oh, we need to go on a missionary mission. No, it was persecution. It was martyrdom. It was the threat of death everywhere they went. They had to go. They had to get out of there. And God used that in order to get us the gospel here. We wouldn't got none of us would be saved this morning if it wasn't for Stephen. God used him in a tremendous way. God passed the mantle of Stephen over to Saul of Tarsus, even though Saul of Tarsus was his bitter enemy. Things happen. We don't understand why they happen. God does things. You know, the Bible talks about how he, he moves in mysterious ways. We don't understand what he's doing all the time. But, you know, Paul heard the gospel from Stephen that day while he was holding the coats, while they stoned him. And Stephen's martyrdom launched the church, literally, in the world. He was the trigger man, you could say, for the church going into all the world with Stephen. I want us to look at four things this morning. I want us to look at, we're going four, four thoughts, four points. We've got about 25 minutes, I think we can do it. But I want us to look, number one, I want us to look at the, his character, Stephen's character, I'm sorry. I said, number one, I want to look at his choosing. Okay, I want to look at his choosing, the choosing of Stephen. Number two, I want to look at his, at his character. Number three, I want to look at his courage. And number four, we'll look at his countenance before we're done. But number one, I want to look at his, his choosing. Look there in chapter 6 and verse 3. Chapter 6 and verse 3. <clears throat> the Bible says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. Okay, we got, we got again, we got widows that are not being taken care of. They're not, they're not, nobody's looking after them. Nobody's making sure they got what they need. And this looks bad, and y'all need to get this taken care of. They said, okay, well, we'll find, we'll find seven men. So, again, out of some 20,000 men, 
That's a lot of men to pick from. And they told the church, y'all know these men. You search out and you find seven men out of 20,000. Out of 20,000 men, Stephen is the first one they named. He must have been a fine fellow, wouldn't he? Amen? That tells us the church held him in high reputation. I mean, if you're looking among thousands, like I said, maybe in the 20 of thousands of people for seven, and that's pretty high criteria when you identify those seven. These are fine men. These are people that can be counted on. I mean, even his name, uh, Stephen, we don't have a Stephen, but his name is actually Stephanos. And Stephanos, the name Stephanos, you know what it means? It means victor's crown. Amen? And that's what he won in his martyrdom. He won that victor's crown. He was a Jew from outside the land of Israel. The early church would have been careful in its choosing. They would have selected only those of the highest spiritual quality. And those qualifications would have been defined for them by the apostles. Again, this was important work. And again, out of all those men, uh, listen to those qualities, they said. They've got to be of honest report. You, you can't find anything in their past where they cheated somebody, where they've done somebody wrong. Full of the Holy Ghost. This, this man, he, his life is exemplary of God's working and power in it. Uh, everywhere you look at him, you see God's mercy and his grace coming through in his speech and his actions. And he's full of wisdom. You can count on him. You can go to him for, for with, with, with issues, with problems, and he's got wise answers to give back. This was a man's man. This was a man that, 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 that God looked down upon and said, this man can do my work. His choosing. He was, he was called out to, for this purpose. But number two, I want us to look at his character. Acts chapter 6, verse 5. And the Bible says, And the, and the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man of faith, a man full of faith, and of the Holy Ghost. He was full of faith in God. He spilled up. There wasn't no more room for for him to, to grow. He was faith. He was full of faith. I mean, I guess as full of faith as a man could be. He wasn't perfect. Nobody's perfect. All of us have sin in us somewhere. But I'm going to tell you, as, as fine a man as you could find, this was Stephen. He, I mean, everybody knew him and knew him, knew that he was he was top notch. What does it mean he was filled up? What does it mean he was full of faith? His life was dominated by his faith. I mean, his decision-making was controlled by his faith. He, you know, the Bible says we walk by faith, not by sight. Okay? If we walk by sight, our circumstances are controlling us. A person who walks by sight, again, as things change around them, they change to adapt to their circumstances. And you know what? You can't count on somebody like that because they're going to they're gonna do what they do according to what's good for them. That ain't the kind of man Stephen was. Stephen didn't do just what was good for him. Stephen did what was good for the Lord and his work. <clears throat> he was controlled by his faith. He walked by his faith. He lived by his faith. 
The idea of full here is God being in total control. So when you say, for example, somebody's filled with rage, or somebody's filled with anger, or they're filled with madness, or they're filled with joy, or they're filled with love, you mean that's the dominating emotion in their life. Somebody filled with rage, you can't find no happiness in there because all you see is crazy anger. It's the dominating force at that point in that person's life. It's a consuming thing. Man is consumed with rage. He can't do nothing else. All he can do is destroy because he's consumed with rage or consumed with bitterness or something like that. It means it's unmixed. It's not mixed with anything else. It's at full strength. Things which control us. Those are the kind of things we're talking about in the notion of being filled with something. And he's filled with faith. So what do we know about this faith that controlled and ruled Stephen's life? What did he believe? If he's full of faith, what did he believe? Well, we can tell you. I can tell you what he believed. We look in chapter 7, we can tell what he believed. We go down through there, and I'm not going to read down through it, but as you, as, you, as you browse down through there, some things that we can find in chapter 7, you can find out he believed in the Old Testament as he educated those priests on how God worked down through history to bring about Jesus Christ. He's been down through there telling them things that they already know. And I'm going to tell you something. One reason why they hated Stephen so bad. They didn't fear Peter and John. Remember? These unlearned fishermen. You know, we can blow it off and say they're nuts. They're just a bunch of old fishermen out there. They don't know what they're talking about. But you see, Stephen, on the other hand, Stephen was a brilliant student of the law. Stephen studied under Gamaliel, same man that Paul studied under, the same one Barnabas studied under, and I believe Philip as well. So he was a very educated man in the law. And you see, the high priest, the chief priest, and all this, they, they, they didn't know what to do. Because this man, this man has credentials. Not only does he have the testimony, but he has the, the, he has the education to back up what he's talking about. And so he's sharing with them his belief in what God has said in his word in the Old Testament. He believes in the authenticity of the Old Testament. He believes in the validity of the Old Testament. He also believes that God determined history. History doesn't determine us. God determines our history. And God rules history, and God's in control of it. And he believed that Jesus was the Messiah. It's obvious in his message there in chapter 7, that he believed that Jesus was the Messiah. He believed that Jesus was the righteous and holy one of God. And he believed that Jesus' death on the cross was the pivotal point of history on which everything hinged. He also believed that Jesus did not stay in the grave, but that he was risen. You say, how do you know that? How do you know he believed that Jesus was risen? Well, we look at chapter 7 and verse 55, we'll see it. In verse 55, Stephen says, But he, that Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Yeah, he believed the resurrected Jesus. He saw him. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
verse 59, he said, Jesus, he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I'm telling you, Stephen, Stephen didn't just, he wasn't just half in, half out, wishy-washy kind of Christian. This guy was all in. This guy was dedicated and committed. Totally controlled by what he believed. Totally controlled. Completely controlled in his life. He wasn't wishy-washy. You didn't see Stephen on one day and he's this way. You see him the next day and he... He's up one day, down the next. No, steady, consistent. Why? Because when God is in control, there's a peace that rules. He had completely given his life over to the Lord Jesus. He had completely given his life, his thoughts, his ministry, his responses to other people, his emotions, everything in his life, given over to the truth of God, and he believed it, and he was willing to die for it. Everything he had was tied up in stake in the truth of the Word of God. And the Bible tells us that he was full of the Holy Spirit of God. God had his hand completely on Stephen. Everything about him was controlled by God. And that's because he had submitted it all to God. The third thing we see here, we see his courage. The courage of Stephen. I'm going to tell you, he was, courage, he was a courageous man. Why? Because he knew God was in control. He knew God had him. He knew God was on his side. He knew it was all in his hands. He was full of the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us. Again, full of faith, trusting completely in God no matter what, full of the wisdom of God, able to, able to, uh, to tell the truth before these rulers of, of Israel and confound them. Full of the power of God and full of the grace of God. Not wanting to condemn these men because they might be saved. He wasn't there to send any, condemn somebody to hell. He was there to preach the gospel to them that these who hated Jesus might know him as their Savior too. He just wanted to reach out with the gospel. And when he did, he met a hostile world head on. Stephen went right into the teeth of the battle. He went fearlessly. He could not. I mean, he went. He went to the. He went. Uh, he took Jesus to the Hellenistic Jews. He took it and he, and he preached Jesus to them. And there was some. Uh, the Bible talks about they were of the, the synagogue of the Libertines. That was some men who had been taken off into captivity by Rome and sold into slavery. And most of them had, 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 had bought their freedom and had made it back. And they had formed a, a synagogue there, and they were called free men. And they and they they believed that they. You know, they, they had different ideas. Let's just go there and say that. They had different ideas. They, they weren't right with God in the way they viewed, the way they viewed God, the way things were going to play out. They, and they disputed with Stephen. They didn't like where he was coming from. They didn't believe in, that Jesus was the Messiah. And so they disputed with him. And he confronted them. He wasn't afraid of it. Amen? Uh, listen, because he knew the truth, because the truth consumed him, when somebody came to him with error, he couldn't just let it go and say, oh, that's a big deal. No. He stood up for the truth's sake. He defended the truth. He earnestly contended for the faith. It took courage to do that. I'm going to tell you, it ain't easy when somebody's coming at you and attacking you and, and, and saying, oh, you're, you're, just, you're just preaching some kind of a 
pie in the sky stuff. Oh, uh, you know that, that that Bible it was written by men. Blah blah blah. That's what everything they want to say to try to try to downplay the Word of God, try to downplay salvation. Listen, we ought not just take it on the chin. You need to tell them the truth, and that's what he wanted to do. And it took courage because they didn't like it, and they were disputing with him. But this is his mission field. He goes to the place where he can reach his people. And that place is in the synagogue. That meeting place is a meeting place where the Jews gathered. And, and he got up and he, he argued with them. And they argued back with him. And it wasn't argued like hatred, screaming and hollering. This is debate. This is literally a debate, arguing the truth back and forth. It was a, a debate over the identity of the Messiah, the Son of God. And, they, and, and he was trying to proclaim that it was Jesus Christ. And, I, and they were trying to proclaim that it was it was also a debate over the role of the law. Could the law save? Or was it simply the schoolmaster? It was a debate over salvation by grace. And Stephen won that debate because of his wisdom and because the Holy Ghost of God was all over him. Acts chapter 6, verse 11 through 14, the Bible says, And they suborned men, or they went and they... They recruited men uh, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. Doesn't that sound sort of similar to what they said about Jesus? That he spoke blasphemous words against Moses? Why? Because he's the fulfillment of the law? They didn't want to hear that. He spoke blasphemous words against the temple? He said he'll... He'll, he'll destroy it in three days. He'd rebuild it, but he was talking about his body. He wasn't talking about the temple at all. So we heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God, and they stirred up the people. They got a, a wild mob charged up, and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and they caught him. I mean, he was out there preaching and teaching, and they ran up and just grabbed him in a wild mob and hauled him off to the Sanhedrin. And they set up false witnesses which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. All this took place. Why? Because a man was full of the Holy Spirit of God and he wanted to see people saved. And he, and he went to them even though they, they hated the message that he had. And he knew they didn't like the message he had. But the, you know what? Just because somebody don't like the message that you have, that shouldn't preclude you from giving them that message. It shouldn't keep you from doing that, brother. It, should, it, it shouldn't be a, 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 anything to stop you. Listen, God is the light in this old dark world. The Bible says the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not, or the darkness couldn't stop it. And just because this old world wants to put out the light that's in you, don't you dare let this world put out your light. Don't you let this world dim your light. Don't you let this world stifle the Holy Spirit of God who's in you. Get close to God. Tell him, Lord, I want this kind of faith. I want a kind of faith to work. You can use me where I'll speak the truth for you no matter what it costs me. I want to be full of faith. I mean, this whole series of sermons 
is about being filled with the Spirit of God, being filled with the Holy Ghost of God. It's one thing to have the Holy Ghost of God, and everybody in here that's saved has the Holy Ghost of God living inside of their bosom, living in their spirit. It's one thing to have him there. It's another thing to say to him, do your work in me. I say, I'm not going to hold you back. I want you to work. Use me. Make it count. Make my life count. Make it count for something, Lord. So we looked at his choosing. We've looked at his character. We've looked at the man's courage. But lastly, I want us to look at his countenance before we go to the house. His countenance, his outward appearance, what people saw. In chapter 6, verse 15, final verse of this chapter, it says that they were looking steadfastly on him. Now, who is that looking steadfast on him? That's, that's the infuriated people at the synagogue. They were so hot at him, so mad. That's the rulers. That's the elders. That's the scribes. That's all the people they stirred up. So you got this really unruly mob, this angry mob that wants something done about this man. That's the people that's all involved in dragging him away, all those false witnesses. All of those people have drug him into the chamber where the Sanhedrin meets, and there's 70 of them gathered around in the Sanhedrin alone. So you got all these other people, and all of them, and they put him right in the middle, and they're all gathered around the circle, and they're all angry, and they're all staring at him, and they're all saying ugly things to him. And the Bible says they looked steadfastly on him, and all that sat in the council saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. Pressure didn't get to him, did it? <laughs> wonder how that wonder how that came to be. Everything in the world's against him. People wanting to kill him. Murderous thoughts going through their minds. We gotta shut this man up. He's got an education. Somebody'll believe him. They're gonna ruin us. All they cared about was their power and their position and their pride. They didn't care anything about the truth. They cared about controlling the people and keeping their job. And they were willing to kill somebody to keep what they had. And here he stood, not guilty of a thing but loving people. Not guilty of a thing but wanting to please God. Not guilty of a thing, but wanting to exalt and magnify his Savior who had saved and redeemed his, his wicked soul. That's what he wanted to do. That's, that's all he ever wanted to do was to shine for Jesus' sake, to be a light for Christ in a dark world. God has him here. And somebody might look at it and say, this is a tragedy. Horrible what's about to happen. But God knew what he was doing. He's being accused of blaspheming. They're calling him evil. They're saying he's denouncing God and he's denouncing Moses and yet he's standing there looking like an angel. His appearance. His appearance is as the, the pure holiness of an angel. 
They're screaming. They're, they're, they've got violence in their, on their faces and in their voices. And yet he has the appearance of an angel in the midst of them. What a rebuke God sent him. He was accused falsely just as Jesus was. He's willing to die for his Savior. He's filled with the Spirit of God. His face is shining with heavenly light, and they still stoned him to death. You know, God's still looking for people who have courage. God's still looking for people who have boldness that ain't got a limit to it. And you know what? God will use those people, and God will demonstrate his glory in those people. Still will in this day and time we live in. Now, he may not give us that beaming face like he gave Stephen. By the way, it reminds me of another time in the Bible when somebody had a beaming face, too, when they got in the presence of God. You remember Moses, they had to put that veil over him because of that glory that shone from being in the presence of God. But God's looking for people like Stephen. Maybe he's not looking for somebody necessarily to be a martyr in this day and time that we live in. But let me say something to you. You can lay your life down for Jesus Christ without having to die for Jesus Christ. It's a, it's, it's a desire to give him all we are and all that we have. Put ourselves in his hands and say, Lord, whatever you decide to do with me is okay with me because I know you'll choose what's best for my life and for your glory. That's what God's looking for. God's looking for somebody who, who, who will trust him no matter what. Again, God will put that glory on your face. It may not be visibly shining like that, but he'll give you a calm, peaceful trust that comes through in the most hateful, violent situation. I've had people screaming in my face because they didn't like what I had to say. And God gave me peace in those moments. Not to panic, not to get angry, not to lash back out, but to trust him. God, give us a faith that won't give up. God, give us a faith that will boldly go to those that need Jesus. God, give us a faith that will keep going no matter what the cost. Let's stand together. We're going to sing 375 here in just a minute. We're going to have a word of prayer first. I know we all got needs, and I know we all got heavy hearts, and we all we all need the Lord. If you need to come and pray this morning, certainly welcome to come and pray. If you need me to pray with you, I'll be glad to pray with you. Whatever you need this morning, I want God to lead it. I want God to lift you up and give you peace in your heart this morning. Give you apply His grace to wherever the need is. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I I come to you this morning, and I ask you, please, on behalf of your people, Lord, meet our need. Meet us right where we are. Lord, you are all sufficient. I think of what you said to the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And, Lord, we come with weakness today. Lord, we want your strength. We want you to be our strength. We want you to be our courage, our wisdom. Lord God, we want you to take our hand and lead us. We want you to give us a courage 
quiet strength that will not bend, that will not bow to this world or to men. Lord, only to you. Father, help us to have a heart to love and help and care for other people, to seek their salvation, to seek to magnify truth that they might see it, Lord, that they might turn to it, that they might latch on to it, Lord, that they might get deliverance from all the ways the devil would destroy their lives. Father, I pray and I plead with you this morning, Lord, as we go from here today, Lord, that we'll go in the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost, Lord, that you'll give us peace, calm, and assurance, Lord, no matter what we face, no matter what we go through. Lord God, meet every need. Bless us now as we come to this invitation, and we'll give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 375. But at the same time, he, he, he don't look no different than he did last time we seen him. He's just, he's just wearing down. And uh, go by and let him know you love him. And I know he does know that, but go tell him. And uh, love on him. They need that. And anyway, any other needs, listen, just ask God to guide you to meet them. That's what we ought to be. We ought to be need meters any way we can. And so pray one for another, lift one another up. We'll be here Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Look forward to seeing you then. And next Sunday, Lord willing, we'll be back to a regular schedule. If you're able to come, that's fine. If you're not, I understand that too. But anyway, let's let's ask the Lord to bless us as we go.